the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. OSHA flexes its muscle, and clearly, they're on steroids. That's today's topic on The Grid. But first, a word from our sponsor. Did you like the intro music to The Grid? If so, let me introduce you to J.D. Coleman, a young music composer. He excels in taking your concepts and converting them to a musical score best suited to you and your business. He's helped the Kingdom Patriot Group, as well as the Phenomenal Christianity Podcast. What do you need to know about J.D.? He's voted in the national election as soon as he turned 18. He's active in political discourse and is committed to the original founder's intent of the U.S. Constitution. Well, what does that mean to you? He's a patriot, and he's skilled at composing music for you and your business. Contact him today at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Reach out to JD today to take care of your music needs. Be sure to tell him you are a kingdom patriot. Ronald Reagan once said, The closest thing to eternal life on earth is a government program. I don't know if truer words have ever been spoken. So that really brings us in today's topic, OSHA. OSHA has been at the top of every headline over the last couple of days. But what is OSHA? OSHA is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Um, it was formed under President Nixon and officially became an agency on March, excuse me, April 28, 1971. Its original design was to assure safe and healthy working conditions for working men and women by setting and enforcing standards and providing training and outreach, education, and assistance. So, okay, that's what they do. How in the world did they get into the world of COVID? Well, let's look at some of the things they've gotten in the past. Maybe that'll clear it up for us. So since 2000, here are some of the things that OSHA has opined on. These are some of the standards that they've implemented. In 2002, exit routes, emergency action plans, and fire prevention plans. 2004, commercial driving, uh, diving operations and fire protections in shipyards. 2006, occupational exposure to hexavalent chromium and assigned protection factors for respiratory protection equipment. In 2007, electrical installation standards and personal protective equipment payment. And I'm not sure what that clarification means. But in 2008, vertical tandem lifts. In 2010, cranes and derricks in construction. Also, general working conditions in shipyards. In 2012, an update to the hazardous communication standard. In 2014, new record-keeping and reporting requirements for employers as well as revision to electrical uh, power generation, transmission, distribution. Look, I could go on and on. Even in 2016, this exposure to uh, respirable crystalline silica, I'm guessing that means airborne crystalline silica. Um, even in 2016, a general industry walking or working services and fall protection standards, I'm guessing it has to do with whether you have slick floors or holes or in the parking lot, those kinds of things. Where in the world do you see a pandemic or a supposed pandemic listed in that? This is like nothing OSHA has ever been involved in before. Okay, so let's go back to our original statement with Reagan. The nearest thing to eternal life on Earth is a government program. Well, OSHA was formed in 1971. Any idea how big OSHA is today? I don't have the numbers for today. This is just 2015, and I suspect because of COVID, it's even greater now. 
As of 2015, OSHA had 2,265 employees with an annual budget of $552 million. You heard that right, half a billion dollars. And yet, this is for all workplace standards, which in the past, in some ways, this was handled by the budget of labor statistics. And then when you think about the, uh, the early, the early uh, 1900s, the power of unions really improved a lot of workplace standards. But ultimately, this turned into OSHA, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Department of Labor. It became OSHA in 1971. COVID regulations? Are you serious? The hypocrisy on this is endless. All right, so let's just get down to my point. I, I'm really sorry about this. I'm just very confused. I thought vaccines were not only safe, but in fact made it safer for all of us, for every single American. And if that's true, then why is COVID all of a sudden an emergency workplace safety crisis? Either the vaccines work, and by the way, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm super pro-freedom. But there are many people in the healthcare industry who would argue that there is clear efficacy, at least in the short term, of the vaccines. But if that's true, then this mandate is a scam. There is no workplace safety issue. But if they don't work, then OSHA is mandating something that doesn't work. You can't have it both ways, people. You cannot. So what is this really about? This is clearly about a power grab, pure and simple. Pure and simple. In fact, I'm not even sure Biden really believes this will ever survive in the courts. But he at least gets to say that he did everything he could under the same pathway that Obama did with his pen and his phone. As of today, the Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has stayed the mandate. And while the court did not cite any particular grounds for this stay, they did say this. Because the petitions give cause to believe there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate, the mandate is hereby stayed pending further action by the court. Do you think? Of course there are grave constitutional concerns. Biden knows this. Everyone knows this. But why would you ever let facts, law, or reason get in the way of an authoritarian administration? That's certainly the way Biden approaches it. Someday we'll get into the conversation of obeying those who've been placed in authority over us. But what happens when those in authority over us grab authority that is specifically prohibited by our country and our constitution? That's really a discussion for another time. I digress. But why am I bringing this up? Because you need to get involved. If you're a small business and you think you're protected because you only have 50 to 75 employees, think again. Every new regulation is just to get a foot in the door to open it wide for more and more draconian regulation. That's why we're telling everyone, go to our website at kingdompatriot.us and see the action, or excuse me, see the section for news alerts as I tell you how to contact your senator, ask the Congressional Review Act to be used to go after this garbage legislation. And actually, I shouldn't say legislation, this garbage regulation. And this too could really go off into a whole nother tangent we could do an entire podcast on. And that is how the, legisla the legislative branch of our country seems to have abdicated much of its authority over time to the executive branch, where all of these agencies, in fact, write law to do the administration's bidding, never going through congressional approval. It is absolutely draconian. It is authoritarian, and I believe it is unconstitutional. And in case you had any doubts, let me be clear. A government's agency's appetite is insatiable. It cannot be quenched. I'm very concerned that as Congress continues to pass laws, that typically are very high-level, very principle-based, but it's the regulatory agencies that implement them. It's those that wield an uncanny amount of power that is often hidden from the general public, and worse, 
they're left to the whims of unelected staff. So just as a quick example, let's go back to Obamacare. Did you know that original legislation, including amendments, was around 974 pages? Any idea how many pages of regulations were implemented in order to make Obamacare what it is today? It's not even countable. It's between 10 and 20,000 pages of regulation for Obamacare. So the law, in principle, was less than 1,000 pages. Pages. The regulations were upwards of 20,000. So let's go back to this OSHA mandate, or this emergency testing standard is really what it is. Let's make it clear that this is not uh, final regulation. This is proposed regulation that's just implemented immediately. What's, that, what's exactly in it? Well, the information I'm about to share with you is not from some right-wing conspiracy paper. It is straight from OSHA's three-page publication that is a summary of this regulation. So here are some of the general rules. Number one, it openly states that it is intended to preempt state and local laws. It also takes effect immediately as an emergency testing standard, even though it is widely recognized, not recognized, it actually is a proposed rule, is not a final rule. It does not apply to federal contractors or subcontractors because they're already covered under Safer Federal Workforce Task Force COVID-19 Workplace Safety. It also doesn't apply to healthcare workers because CMS has already issued its own regulations. I, I want to share what I think could be the most egregious. I want you to listen to this phrase. Again, this comes from their publication. This comes from their three-page summary. It says, availability of records. The ETS, which is the Emergency Testing Standard, the ETS requires employees to make available for examination and copying an employee's COVID-19 vaccine documentation and any COVID-19 test results to that employee and to anyone having written authorized consent of that employee. Employers are also required to make available to the employee or an employee representative the aggregate number of fully vaccinated employees at a workplace along with the total number of employees at that workplace. So let me just stop there for a second. Do you realize what we just said? Basically, OSHA just said that you've got to keep detailed records on every individual. Who's vaccinated, who's not. It has to be available and it can be copied. And more so, you have to make available to every employee the total number of vaccinated employees and the total number of employees in your organization. I mean, that's just that's just words, right? What does that mean? That means if you have a vaccinated employee who feels really strongly that everyone should be vaccinated, he can go to his employer and say, I want to know how many people are vaccinated in my workplace. And the workplace is required to say, well, we have 1,000 employees and we have 900 vaccinated. And the vaccinated employee goes, huh, that means 10% or 100 people are not vaccinated. That's clearly in violation of this law. I think I'm going to contact OSHA. That's exactly what it opens the doors to. But let's continue. What does it mean for employers? Well, for employers under this new requirement, if you have more than 100 employees, you must develop and enforce, again, not my words, this is the three-page summary paper from OSHA, must develop and enforce a policy mandating all workers get the COVID-19 vaccine. The deadline for all employees to be fully vaccinated, not one vaccine, not two, but fully vaccinated is January 4th, 2022. And here's the fines. Individual fine for a violation, a serious violation, $13,653. Fine for will, willful violation, up to $136,532. Now, OSHA says it's their discretion that most fines will fall between the $2,000 and $4,000 range. But that should concern you that they are flexible and have discretion. That means they get to decide in their own regulatory agency without a rule of law, without legislative, without a court, how they're going to implement a fine. So if an owner has 150 employees, 
And he starts to mouth off about the unconstitutionality of the mandate and overtly says, I will not comply. In theory, OSHA could make an example of him and say, we're going to charge you, we're going to fine you $13,653 per instance times all 150 employees or $2,047,950. That's not where it ends. Congress is actually looking right now to increase individual fines from $13,000, we're basically rounding $14,000 to $70,000 for a violation and for repeated violations or willful violations from that $136,000 number to $700,000. That is what your government is doing right now. Oh, did I mention the paid time off? Employers must provide at up to four hours of paid time off for someone to get their vaccine. That's right. They can go down to the clinic and they can get a shot that takes 12 minutes, but you have to offer four hours of PTO. So that means if you have an employee that's making $20 an hour, that you just you just paid them 80 bucks to be off in order to do that. And if, if someone becomes sick because of the vaccine or they have side effects, the employer must provide paid sick leave. That's for all the employers. Now, what about the employees? What does it mean as you and the employees? So as you're listening, this is so important because this is not just for the employees. If you're a small business, you absolutely have to stand up. If you're a small business and you're less than 100 employees, you need to know that these regulations are coming to your street corner. The time to stand up is not after OSHA decides that it's available for all but small businesses. The time is now before it's too late. But the reason I even point this out is because it's not just for employers. Here, here's what it means for the employees, which would touch everybody. Unless otherwise protected by state law or by a union collective bargaining agreement, the employer is not required to pay for the weekly testing, which I guess I failed to mention that, but that is one of the alternatives of not getting the vaccine. If you don't get the vaccine, you can be weekly tested. But the law does not require the employer to pay for it. And I don't know what these cost. I'm guessing 40, 50, 60 bucks for each test. If you have to be tested every week, you could have several hundred dollars that have just added to your family's expense. Religious exemptions may apply. You heard that correctly, as I've read that multiple times, may apply. I'm not sure how they define may, but that's very concerning. And this is also incredibly egregious. This, this, this shows you that this is not about science. No exemption for a previous COVID positive test, or you've, you've had COVID, you've recovered and you have antibodies, does not matter you have to get the vaccine under this mandate. Makes no sense. If you don't have the vaccine and you're an employee, you have to be tested weekly every seven days if you're working on site. If you're not working on site, if you're remotely working, you're, you don't, you're not required to have the test until you come back into work. And if you do, you have to have a negative test within seven days of returning to work. And then that starts the cycle of being tested every seven days. If you choose the testing route as an unvaccinated person, you have to wear a mask at work, indoors at all time, or if you're in a vehicle with another coworker. So what is the intent here? I heard someone say vaccination should never have been, nor should ever be, the end goal. The end goal is immunity. Now, whether or not you believe in the vaccines themselves, there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. But I'm going to go back up to the employee section for just a second, as we just talked about that. There is no exemption. There is no pathway for an employee who has been COVID positive. That makes no sense. This administration is absolutely hellbent on full control. They're doing it through vaccine mandates, and they are not going to stop. The science is clear that if you've had COVID-19 and you have the antibodies, that your immunity is deeper and longer lasting than with a vaccine even after the booster shots. Ladies and gentlemen, I propose to you that we need to go to Revelation 13 to understand what's really going on here. 
Revelation 13, 16 and 17 says this, It has also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. That ought to be sobering for every one of us. I want to be clear. I don't believe the COVID-19 vaccine is the mark that's referenced in Scripture. But it is clear to me and millions of Christians that the spirit around this vaccine is a precursor to what Scripture warns us will come. We're already seeing this sentiment growing as our culture is deciding to use this vaccine as a means by which to undermine employment, to restrict who can buy and sell in cities and establishments, and to control those who can and cannot travel and where they can and cannot travel. I cannot say it enough. Go to our website at kingdompatriot.us and find your U.S. Senator and Representative and let them hear from you. Your voice must be heard. We have to elect those who see the big picture, are committed to conservative and faith-based values, and will stand resolute against tyranny. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. Special thanks again to our sponsor, J.D. Kuhlman. To get music composed for your business, drop JD a note at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email address is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Be sure to tell him you heard about him from The Grid. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Thank you.